I'm Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics. And I'm Phil Wolf of the Nefris Initiative. You're listening to Snakes and Stogies. The only podcast dedicated to fine tobacco. All things reptile related. And the people who love them. As part of the Repetoculture Network. Can everybody hear me? I want to make sure because we've I've been struggling lately with my damn audio. Last Corn Stars episode, fine now. Okay. Last Corn Stars episode, I didn't have the input set to the interface. I had it set to the mic, the uh, the computer mic, so I sounded like I was across the room because I pretty much am from the computer. So that was frustrating because this whole time I heard it fine in my headphones because it's the audio is coming through that. Like I'm hearing it through the interface. It's just not being picked up through the interface. So mm-hmm. it was a whole, a whole thing. I was, and it, I didn't even realize it was what it was until I, I had finished that episode and went to upload it the next morning. So I was pretty irritated that I did that. And then we had the issue with Wyman uh, when he was here Uh and the interface again, like figuring out the channels and mono and stereo and stuff. And Phil is here. There hey, he yo. is. You know, it wouldn't be me with Bill unless I was late. Fair. That's right. Fair. I literally gave myself ample time to get here and the computer wouldn't turn on. And I realized that I left it in sleep and it was just that dead. Well, so. everyone's just having their own problems. What happened? I don't know. I just, I at first Bill was, before we kicked it live, Bill was like, you're really quiet. And I'm like, here we go again. I'm going to have audio problems. And Chris Sexton's going to have to be my hero once again. But mm. fortunately, I think we got it figured out. Good enough. Good enough. Well, and I listened to that Corn Stars today on my commute. And I mean, you're far it away, but you could still yeah, understand. It wasn't horrible, you. but it was still just frustrating because this entire time I thought yeah. it was fine. And then I go back and I'm like, damn it. Well, I'm glad that Chris got his uh, his cut on, you know? Man, looking at the group chat and people saying how Bill and I look alike, I... It, no. It's <laughs> a hell of a compliment. It is. What? Bill's beard is ten times more triumphant than mine. He's a triumphant guy. He is. He's a triumphant ginger bastard. I love him. Well, it's because it looks like you actually care and make yours nice and <laughs> actually do have something evenness. I, I have to, otherwise, I get shunned and pitchforked. Anna Maria probably doesn't put up with any of that. <laughs> no, 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 she does not. She's not. See, see, I get, I get beaten to submission, groomed. Yeah, and I'm like, fine, fine. Man, Katie sounds really, really good. Is she on Jake's mic? Yeah, she is. That's fantastic. Why is she on camera? That mic is freaking amazing. It's like a $20 Behringer, and that thing is beats like just about any other mic I've ever used, including this Shure that I'm using right now. Send me the link because I need a new one. I'm using the freaking laptop right now because my other one took a shit. I don't. I don't see the problem is I don't. I can't find these on Amazon anymore. I don't know if they just stopped making them like. They were so good and so cheap that everyone bought them, and now they're just you can't find them anywhere or what. But that thing is freaking incredible. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But I, I will we'll I hunt can't. one down, and I'll, 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 if I can hunt some, I'll, I'll grab us some. Good, excellent. 
So I missed, I'm assuming I missed sponsors. No, you haven't actually. Excellent. I was complaining about my, my uh, interface with Cornstars <laughs> last week. Take it away. Uh, yeah, so this is episode 115 of Snakes and Stogies, which is brought to you by the fine people at blackboxcages.com. Uh, you need a cage, you need a rack, hit them up. They will not disappoint. We talked about it last week. Phil loves his. He just Indubitably. Bill just got some of his stuff, too, when we were in Marietta. Have you got your setup and everything? Everything? I haven't. Uh, it's for okay. the same reason that Lizard Brain was delayed a little bit. Uh, I was traveling for work, so this is my first uh, official day home and back in the schedule. So, Well, yeah. last night I was able to get the podcast done and stuff. But... Mm -hmm. I need to finish listening to that. I listened to a, a decent chunk of it, um, and I freaking loved it, man. Like I, I was laughing in the chat as I was we were we were in Edisto for the weekend and I was laying in bed at the Airbnb like nodding my head like I'm there like an idiot like getting all into it and it was it was a great episode man feels feels awesome I'm really glad you did that that Xenogamma show because that's such a cool group of lizards for sure and and especially just the way that he is you know he's yeah yeah more than happy to share super easy to talk to crazy knowledgeable about all his stuff so it's it's pretty awesome yeah he was very into it he, <laughs> he was really excited about it she's like well, i think well no because something phil had mentioned something about a superworm colony and she was like <laughs> went on this rant about like only you people would would talk about colonies of bugs and how awesome it is to have them and i'm like what are you talking said, about do like, y'all ever listen to hear listening yourselves talk and it's just so funny because it's like this is totally normal in your world and yet if you were in a public place listening to this people would be like what the fuck yeah yeah <laughs> a worm colony like what is going on here? well i i remember i i, I couldn't I, I don't think I mentioned it on that show, but at doing that reminded me of when Matt and Jamie and I drove down to South Beach at like one in the morning to meet this strung out lady to buy like 5,000 dubia for like 200 bucks. <laughs> and so we drove down in my like Hyundai Elan. That's we drove to Florida story. Yeah, Florida. We, we, literally, Matthew was messaging her on Facebook, and he's like, "Would you take two hundred bucks for the whole colony?" And she's like, "Uh, yeah, I just want to get rid of them. So, I just right, want cash. I yeah. just need. I'm cash. getting itchy. I, I just, I just need the cash, man." And uh, we drove down. I think it was my peanut butter and crack sandwich. And it was a, it was like a, like a fifty-gallon tote with all like the Vaseline on it and everything, right? And no shit, Keep them from it was falling out. There was like that's the best stories. <laughs> we drove down to South Beach and like maneuvered our way through like the obstacles of that which is the trendy area <laughs> to get to this like shanty of a townhouse. And this woman just comes out all strung out and she's like, Here's your roaches. <laughs> and Matthew's like, Here's 200 bucks. Have a good night. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my so, gosh. People think you're like buying meth or something. And you're like, no, I swear it's just roaches. Yeah, exactly. Right. Right. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to see what Bill ends up doing with his and getting him set up and stuff. I know he, you had talked about putting some bulkheads or something in those, or was that something you were planning to do with future uh, acquisitions? 
say it again. You sounded like a robot. I can hear Phil that you're. Super uh, for I said, when you get your set up, send pictures so I can post them. And I'm curious to see what oh, you yeah. do with them. Because you had talked about adding the bulkhead sure. to, to some of them. So this uh, this set of four, I am going to do uh, an Australian quad. So that's going to be uh, all Zupoxy, uh, either cliff face or boulder stuff, depending on what I'm doing, and a couple of fake trees. And then I had talked to the folks at Black Box when we were at the show. Uh, the next set that I get, uh, they had talked about trying to figure out bulkheads and things like that. And uh, I think maybe my next set will be that way. And I'm trying to figure out, I really like the three by three by 18 size that, that I have. Because mm-hmm. um, I think I can do a lot of different species. And I have, oh, my son and I have, um, <laughs> yeah, right? The Dollar General <laughs> Rat Exchange, for sure. Um, my son and I have a ton of turtles. And I'm... I would love to be able to build bigger setups where I could have the water feature and and the turtles be a part of that. But to save on size, what I think I'm going to do is, or what I would like to do is we talked to black box about doing the bulkhead. Um, I would like to do the three by three by 18 on top. I'm going to build the base Uh, inside of that base will be the uh, shorter troughs that I use for turtles. And then I would like to have it where it miss the top Indo species. Originally, I was thinking about my mangrove just off the top of my head. Uh, and I have a pink belly side neck or something like that where I could do an Indo turtle on the bottom. And then the drainage for the 3 by 3 by 18 on top would go into the uh, water drip wall for the turtle. And I'm trying to figure out how I would plumb that. Would that. Be cool. um, do you have a picture? I have, I have the basic idea hammered out. I just need to see what the flow rate for the drip wall would be. And, and mm-hmm. they're obviously going to have to be separate because it the, the drainage for the plant layer and stuff in the top would not be sufficient to continue uh, the yeah. drip wall cycle. But it could be supplemental or, or something of that nature. And so I'm trying to figure out how to combine those things. Like my son also has a Kreft side neck, which is an Australian species. And so I thought to kind of keep that trend. I have a lot of small and mid-sized turtles that could be in single species exhibits below snake or lizard or what have mm-hmm. you from that part of the world. So I'm trying to, I'm drawing some of that up right now. Do you have a picture of your mangrove? Cause that sounds really cool. I know you said something and it ended with cool, but that's all I got. Your, <laughs> the mangrove you, is a mangrove monitor. Do you have a picture of your mangrove? Ooh, Phil's got a mangrove. <laughs> There you go. Beautiful. Uh, I probably the same size don't. it was last week. <laughs> that sounds so neat. So are you are you using black box cages to make that? Yeah, it's, I mean part of it at least. That is really cool. I think there's a delay again. I think yeah, there's a delay. You sound good on my end. Why can I super I can hear Phil incredibly well? It's you, Justin. It's probably me. I don't know. My internet's terrible. I have no idea. The uh, regardless, when you get them set up, make sure to see them. 
So check out blackboxcages.com. Find them on Instagram and Facebook. And then we can't forget about Puget Sound Pythons. Jeff and Kendra, awesome people. Give them a follow as well. I think they might be in the chat. I thought I saw them pop up earlier. Yeah, I think they were a little while ago. But this is my wife that you can hear and not see. She exists. It's like oh, Gendra yeah, was in the fish. chat making fun of me saying that Phil had lost his hair. Thanks, Gendra. Nice. There, we go. <laughs> there, there. There they are. Yeah. What's uh, what's new for the week there, Philip? Uh, not too much. It was Anna Marie and I's anniversary yesterday. So Saw we, that. We had a lovely day. Thank you, thank you. Is that one and whole year? That's one whole year. Oh, Phil. Yep, she stuck around for a whole year. Good for you. Yep, and uh, we had a lovely day. We did a lot of nothing, and then we went out to the glades and caught a sunset. And, oh, you uh, had to had to redo that first date. You had to do the <laughs> you had to chop down a tree. Yeah, there I was, was no... she left her pepper spray behind this time. <laughs> she did leave her pepper spray behind this time, so that's good. And uh, no, it was fun. We caught the sunset, and dude, it was crazy. I was not. It was like seventy-eight degrees when we got out there, and then the minute the ball of the sun went below the horizon line, it crashed and went to sixty-four. And then when we were actually like leaving the area, it was like sixty-two. What day and was that? Yesterday. And uh, Monday. Oh, yeah. And uh, it was very, very <laughs> weird because normally, like, you know, myself and Dr. Lofman have talked about this plenty of times. That, like, in the Southeast, 70 degrees is like the magic number. Like, you really mm-hmm. don't find many snakes after 70 degrees unless you're really digging for them. <laughs> but it was 64 degrees Fahrenheit, and there was Nerodia everywhere. Justy. So we caught some crazy red flame bandits and some really nice looking Floridas, moved a bunch of them off the road because there were some people out there driving around fishing and stuff. So it was a good time, man. It was a good time. I caught a lure with my toes. Casey, we're going to do, uh, what was that show? Oh, two Ataras and tampons. I keep wanting to call it Tamiculas <laughs> and tampons because I like Tamiculas. But... Nice. You want to move me to the bottom because then Bill's going to get it's fine. I won't stay long. There we I'm, go. Oh, that's there super we go. Exciting. Yeah, there we go. You see everybody. Andy got a sampler in today, so there is a Snakes and Stogies sampler for the month of April. Excellent. Hit me up as long as you're 21 or older and uh, get you one. I sent out the first first round of them Friday, Saturday, one of those days. It had to be Friday because that's that's when we left, but um. <clears throat> yeah. So, nice little eclectic mix. I am actually smoking the Intemperance Connecticut box press from uh, Roma Craft. You can't see it from here, but yes, the age is twenty-one now for tobacco. In case you didn't know. So, um, this is a great little Connecticut. This this sampler in particular for this month is kind of a little mix of some lighter and then some stronger stuff. Um. So, all good. Um, 60 bucks shipped. It's pretty much free shipping, if we're being honest. But if you need some cigars, it's a little different from what you're normally normally grabbing from your local liquor store or whatever. Um, 
I'm the man to to hit up. He is the man. Oh. He got the access. Got the hookup. That's right. You got that good, too. good, sweet shit. <laughs> he won't come out of a meth house with a pack of cigars. But he will come out of a crack den with a bucket full of roaches. <laughs> Cockroaches. <laughs> we were driving by a gas station. We went to Edisto for the weekend. And we were driving by a gas station on our way there. And it's in the middle of nowhere in Jacksonboro, South Carolina. And I was like, oh, that's where I bought my first blood python. He this did. This is BP out in the middle of nowhere. And I was like, yeah, I got my first blood python at that gas station. <laughs> we went to Walterboro nice. first. And Walterboro is just, it's kind of like one of those dying towns. I don't know that it was ever like really living. I think he used to be pretty hopping. <laughs> it's, it's got a lot of empty, empty spaces, be it whole buildings or like units and stuff. Just. Ah, my Jake looks good tonight. Hey, I'm just as washed out as Jake is normally. Jake's paler. Translucent. But like yeah. hemidactylus. We went to this pizza place. It was the funniest thing. It was like a cave. Yeah, it was like a dungeon. But the pizza was really, really good. It was like one of those like shady kind of places that has amazing food. And the waiter guy was just... He was awesome. He was like the happiest he was great. guy. He was like super happy to be there. Yeah. He was excited to be super, music. super friendly. Yeah. Strong bully was, was on point. The weirdest play is it was just weird. The whole thing was just weird. And I was like, can we go now? Let's go. But we went to uh, what's it called Botany Bay, which is a, a WMA out in that area, which was really cool. Tons of history there. Used to be old, uh, a couple of plantations. So there's a bunch of like old ruins i guess of like big plantation houses and and stuff like that and some like thank you billy it was like the ice house that was built in what was it like way early like 1800s right well the whole plantation was was has had started in the 1700s yeah it's wild yeah it was the whole place was super neat um just because of the way like dnr had taken over and um made the entire thing just like like they were planting crops that were um reinforcing wildlife and like the whole thing was just like leave only your footprints and it was just really really nice to see because around here it's such a touristy place people want to take stuff just yep. smith no corns i was looking for corns though we didn't Hardcore. see a there wasn't i didn't see yeah we didn't even there was like supposed to be fox squirrels and stuff around there too didn't see a single one so not a single one it was a bummer we did a, a good bit of walking and then on our way back from edisto this today it was i guess late morning we stopped at uh edisto nature trail which i took some videos of and posted mm -hmm. on instagram that place was really cool that was like just prime diamondback real estate like those low-lying palms just he was acres. so excited. He's like, surely I'll also he didn't find didn't see anything. Well. So rattlesnake condos. Yeah. So me and Jake are at some point we're gonna go go back there and, and dig around. Well, still it's still early in the season. Yeah, yeah, but it's it's freaking gorgeous out there. Like it's it's a surprisingly long um sort of trail that goes through it, but yeah, it's like swamp of... lowland just miles. Yeah, oh, it was awesome. Did see some really cool birds. If you're into birds, nice. Um, 
I'm super into birds. But it was one of those places that we've always driven by it, even when I was younger. And we never stopped at it. So you see the parking lot with the sign that says Ace Basin Edisto Nature Trail. And I was like, oh, that's cool. We should stop and check that out sometime. And never did until today. And it was it was worth it. It's like probably one of the coolest places I've ever been in the in the state. So hands down. Nice. So that's definitely awesome. gonna have to get Jake out there. Maybe maybe go out there later in the evening and see if we can well, find something around sundown. If Phil ever comes to visit us, that we, too. Can, we can take him there. Make sure you bring plenty of Fiji water bottles. <laughs> oh yeah. If it's under twelve inches, we're snagging it. We're snagging it. It's happening. Yep. Bill, what about you, bud? I just like living far enough away that people don't give me a hard time for not visiting. So I'm good. <laughs> is it still too cold to do some herping? Oh yeah, for sure. Up here is, is crazy. Uh, I was just in Jersey for two weeks and uh, actually I was on the coast. It was pretty windy and it didn't get all that warm, but uh, when it was sunny out, you can hear tons and tons of frogs, which was really cool. And that uh, was the place I was at was by some golf courses. So I just did some walking, mostly looking for turtles and stuff to see what I could see who was basking. And it was pretty much all amphibians, but it was nice to, it's way better than here. I mean, there's absolutely nothing here. It's still too cold. So. Well, at least you got out a little bit, you know? Yeah, that's cool. And that's why I was sure today would be a good day for it. Cause we had a high like 80, mm-hmm. like, it was cool in the shady areas, but it was warm enough to where I would figure stuff would be out sunning and came up empty handed. So it's just an excuse to go back. It's I mean, for us, it's like maybe an hour drive from the house to get out yeah. there. So it's actually not that far from Jake from where Jake lives. He's he's close. He's way closer to it than I am. But be I awesome. feel like you could actually go in the lot next door to our house and find stuff. Maybe. I mean, I don't know. We saw copperheads over there. Yeah, I've, I've seen a lot, of, a lot of species in our little coming out lot next to the house. Bagels. Bagels. Archie came out of the woods with the, the sleeve of bagels that somehow ended up in the woods. We don't know where they came from. Came trotting up. Were, were they fresh? Yes. <laughs> they really? did not have any mold on them whatsoever, and they were soft. Wow. I was alarmed. Someone's just casing our house and eating bagels as they stake it out. <laughs> it was probably, you know that, probably somebody fell out of their grocery bag when they were walking home. And yeah, that dreaded South Carolina bagel man hiding in the woods, you know, <laughs> that cryptozoological marvel. Bagel man. Bagel man. It started snowing while you were herping. That doesn't sound fun at all. How do you, is stuff even out? You did, you'd be surprised. I mean, they're they're out in the Pacific Northwest, so they do see like garters and some other stuff, salamanders and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But that's stuff that's that's much more attuned to being out and about in cooler weather, colder weather than than what we get here. So you got to chance it so you can get that iconic rubber boa on snow picture, which would still be freaking <laughs> cool. That would be like epic. That's like the picture do it for the gram. But yes. It's not always about finding the stuff as much as enjoying the scenery, which once again, if you don't find something, it's just an excuse to go back. Yeah. Like we were just in awe. So the place that we walked through was like, it had been phosphate mining at one point and um, was just swamp anyway, which you find a lot of 
here. Absolutely. So, um, there was just water everywhere and these humongous cypress trees. Mm -hmm. I mean, it just, it was just gorgeous. Like it was an, a morning well spent just walking through. Yeah. I always say, uh, I'm either a really, really bad hunter or I just enjoy armed nature walks. <laughs> I was, I was packing. He was packing. Well, it's kind of sketchy. It's like right on the side of the highway and you just pull off and you know, anybody. No one would hear you scream. Out. Anybody. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. No one would hear you scream. So it's smart to be armed. I'm sure that's how it is in the Everglades. Stay right? strapped. Yes, it is. Most of weird, weird stuff happening in there. Uh, in other news, hopefully eggs are going to be coming soon. I have a couple females that look like they're going into shed, so I'm hoping that's a prelay. That female blood red is looking like she might be gravid. So we'll see. I know the male uh, he was trying his damnedest to to make it happen. I don't know if she ever let him, but hopefully she did. So um, I put egg boxes in the incubator to get them ready and prepped today as well. So hopefully eggs are happening. And I have a care package coming from Mr. Chris Painchab Wednesday. Oh yeah, what's in there? Uh, he pretty much forced me to to take these corns. Oh, I'm sure that was a real fight. Oh yeah. Oh, he's yeah. like, I'm sending them to you. I was like, oh, 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 okay. No, please don't. I was like, dude, I have nowhere. The Jans and I eggs. Oh, okay, yeah. So that's actually a, a good, good, nice segue away from this um <laughs> jance and i eggs i threw out they did not make it so kind of not all that surprised by it but even they, that one even that one there was oh. one good one out of the well one decent looking one out of the three but they all just they started to mold over really bad and it started to smell so they were they were done so i tossed them but it's a bummer, but it's not that big of a bummer because if they're giving me eggs now, that means I'm going to get more eggs later. So now we just wait until some some really healthy ones show up and I start checking the egg box more regularly instead of being an idiot. And when do you when do you think she'll lay again? I don't know. I mean, she may not lay another clutch for a while. They're not. They're not. So there's the Jansenine and the Oxycephalum. Oxycephalum, they'll, they'll lay multiple clutches in a year, but the Jansenine, it sounds like from what I've read... Um, they are not a multi-clutch layer, so <clears throat> we'll see. It's weird that there'd be the difference like that. Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. Whew. Katie's out of here. Where does Phil go? Uh, that's a good question. Yeah, so the packages that are coming tomorrow, I know what she's calling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good good um, save, Miguel. Changing subjects now. Let's Mary, see what we were my really man. About. Uh, yeah, so Chris has some, some extra males that he's sending, and then he has a female... That is a Amel mask, if I'm not mistaken. And I'm supposed to be getting a male Amel buff from Ryan Cox. Uh, he had one that he got from Phelan that he wanted to stay like in the family, quote unquote. 
Um, so I'm going to get that from him probably later this month. And then Chris wants me to pair up that aim, that buff email to that email mask, uh, down the road. So yeah, no more new snakes that no one ever. <laughs> so there's all kinds of, and then Mike, you know, Mike had some stuff that he was parting with. So I'm like really tempted by that. I just, I'm, I have this old rack that I got rid of in lieu of the XR 20 that I got from black box that I may end up having to pull back into the room and find space for with all the stuff happening. So this whole problem could be solved if I just had a bigger room. Yeah. And Mike uh, in the chat as well, he, he uh, shared some really awesome stuff that he, mm -hmm. some Texas rat stuff. It was beautiful. Yep. There's, there's one particular male motley he has that I am, very much interested in i don't i need to talk to him about it mike message me convert the garage i wish uh given my i don't i don't know that there's a door suite big enough for the garage door and i don't know i, I actually thought about it i've been i've been playing with the idea of maybe figuring out a way to like get a heater and an ac or something in here to regulate certain times of the year because that would make life easier phil will you just buy me a bigger house sure no problem see what you need is your separate facility and see i'll argue that because i absolutely despise yeah having a separate facility i'm with phil on that one like having to to go somewhere i mean first of all i worry the fact that i don't have access to my stuff right there yeah like if i mean like if a fire happens here at the house i'm gonna know about it because we have the fire alarms we have the alarm system all that good stuff if yeah. i happen somewhere else if i don't have any sort of alarm system or something over there i could lose everything and not know it until it's already already said and done so yeah I, I'm, I'm right there with Phil because Jake has talked about it, like us splitting a, a spot or something like that. And I'm like, I just I don't like having especially if we did it like between where he and I are, because he's across the county from me. So we'd be talking like a 30 minute drive. And I'm like, uh, I don't want to have to drive a half an hour to go and take care of my stuff on a regular basis. Like, yeah, 100 percent. And if it were in my backyard, that'd be one thing. And even in the backyard, like like Nipper has his his snake building out back and kudos to him for having a legitimate snake building but it's bad enough for me to have to walk upstairs <laughs> and i mean i know it sounds lazy and i know it sounds asinine I don't care about that but it's one of those things where like you get home you're exhausted from the day and yeah you enjoy your stuff and yeah you know you have an obligation to take care of things but there's sometimes i'm just like you know what i'll just do it in the morning it's no big deal right well, if it's outside, it's even worse. And if it's farther yeah. away, it's even worse. And and I just and again, I, I know it sounds lazy and it sounds like, you know, like I don't care, but I've had stuff at multiple facilities, not just one, and having to remember, oh crap, I gotta go to this one today and, and not that one. And 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 you know, you get home and you're like, Oh crap, I forgot. I was supposed to yeah. go do X, Y, and Z, and then you gotta go back out and do it. Yeah. So it, I it, thought about possibly talking to my dad about paying him like monthly to keep stuff in one of the rooms upstairs at their house. 
Like that's not a far drive. Like it's not ideal, but it's it might be the most least headache inducing uh, option. But I mean, Billy and and Dragon Lair there bring up a good good point. Out of sight, out of mind. You know, I'm kind of bad about that because even yeah. for me, like stuff that's at the top of a rack and stuff at the bottom of a rack is usually the stuff that that I end up doing last or or yeah. sort of not paying as much attention to if we're being honest. So. Or honestly, I mean, if your quarantine rack is, or your quarantine area is thin because you haven't got anything new in a long time, it, it's almost like, I don't want to say you forget about them, but you, you do. You know what I mean? And not in a neglectful way, but it's like, wait a minute. I haven't given them water in a few days. I got to give them water. And I mean, obviously, I keep arid species, so it's not that big a mm-hmm. deal for me. But it, it, it's, it is that out of sight, out of mind thing. And it's, it's, it's sad to say it, but it's a truth. You know, yeah, I don't know. No, I get it. It it makes it, it does make it more like work and less hobby fun. Right. Right. But to my end, I would say like, it just becomes what's normal. Like for me, it's, it's very close. It's only like two blocks. So it's, it's not far away, but it, that's just what we do. Like, when Teresa takes the kids to school, they go check lights and some things aren't automated. They turn things on or what have you. And then I get home and I check stuff, turn off whatever is not on a timer or something like that. Like it just becomes kind of part of your routine eventually. Um, sure. But it is, it is way more job than hobby. Right. Or it, it starts to feel like it, I guess, because you know, just silly things like we went and got paper towels for our house. And then I was like, Oh, I need to think of paper towels for the shop. Like it's, it's its own thing in it. Right. You have to treat it that way. And so it does get a little more job than fun. But for me, I mean, it's, it's part of a business. So it kind of, sure. Sure. It doesn't, it doesn't negatively affect me that it feels like work because it's also earning me money. So, yeah. And I, I mean, I definitely wouldn't want to like load up at my parents' place and have a bunch of stuff over there. Like, I'd keep it fairly light, like maybe a rack or two, and then some hatchling stuff or whatever hatches out this year. Um, but it wouldn't be like an entire separate, like other room of stuff because that's just that's overkill. Uh, yeah, I feel like if 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 it merits it, then go for it. Of course, you know what I mean. If you live in an apartment and it's it, if you live in a a, a, a one bedroom apartment and you'd like to have a collection, well, then obviously you don't have to. You can have a bedroom full of critters, you know, but it would make more sense to have an offsite facility. But at the same time, that's almost like almost a necessity. Mm-hmm. Well, as if you have a house with multiple rooms or you have a townhouse or even a large apartment with multiple rooms, it is way easier both mentally and physically to maintain a collection when it's at home. Yeah, in, my sure. personal, in my personal opinion. You know? Absolutely. So. As a person who doesn't have a collection at home, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, yeah. And I'm envious. You have a basement too, right? At the facility, yeah. Well, I have my house, yeah. but there's nothing in it. There's a rat okay. rack in the house basement. <laughs> okay, because like I would kill to have a basement. I think a basement would be awesome. You know what I mean? Because then you could always you could cool stuff, you can heat stuff. You yeah. have a copious amounts of space because most basements are at least two thirds of the floor space of the building. Yes. So I mean. It, it, I'm very, very envious of the basement concept. And I feel like I might have a quarantine rack or a quarantine area in a room and then just 
you know dedicate a basement to to the collection which would be fantastic but even there it's it's no different than having the building out back you have to remember not and i know it sounds so horrible i hate saying it like i i cringe myself saying it but it's a fact to me that you know you have to remember to to to, to do those things and and not neglect them i don't know if i did it and kept some some stuff at my parents house it would be indefinite because i have gotten the okay for like a separate shed out back but until we sort of figure out the logistics of that and the size and how we would actually get it back there and stuff like that which we're a long ways from that happening so well weren't you going to convert the garage we had talked about that too but that's i feel like it's like wartime in the middle east like there's constant negotiations going on i don't know i just in my (laughs) personal opinion having seen your garage and the layout of your house i feel like if you guys aren't using the garage for a vehicle and it's simply reptiles and storage and podcasting oh it's all kinds of crap i was gonna say you could like a goodwill in here (laughs) you could close the garage door put up a single wall of drywall you know what I mean? Even put a friggin' door in it if you wanted to. And you could have all the, the Salvation Army crap in there and the animals and the podcast studio and then allocate that certain, extra bedroom for whatever. Certain blonde members of the household do not like the, the, the appearance of converted garages on houses. Yeah, but no one's going to see it from the outside. Yeah, she if you just will. convert the interior, the exterior should be normal. Yeah. You would think so. Fair enough. Believe me, I've topic is I've, mute. I have fought for for that hardcore. Constant negotiations. Because then, I mean, my thing was like the price of a shed and getting one sealed and insulated and electricity and all that stuff run to it versus the cost of just converting a garage. To me, they seem to make oh, more yeah. sense, but. I don't, I don't, I've played every card I could, man. They all got shuffled right back in the deck. <laughs> well, and you know, Nipper, I... when Nipper talks about it, though, that's a policy driven thing, right? Like he has to do that. Yeah. yeah. No. Well, Based it's for two reasons. It, yes and no. So he has a very uh, diverse collection, right? Mm. Whether it be, uh, venomous stuff, constrictors, geckos, lizards, and some of the stuff's even outdoors and outdoor enclosures. Mm-hmm. But his wife is very much, we have whatever you want, just not in the house. So, uh, okay. So that's the first concept. And to him, it was like, well, if I'm doing its own building, I'm going to do my own building. Yeah. Right. And therefore, he has, right. He has all the DWA licenses to. Mm-hmm have basically whatever he wants in terms of danger factor and whatnot. And it's more beneficial to his peace of mind because he knows that there is the airlock door and the it's escape proof building and right. it has all the heating elements and the electricity and, and all that stuff. So, so it, it's almost a blessing in disguise for him. Well, that's something I've been pushing too, is like, I want something that's, that's going to be, bigger by a certain percentage than what I really need because you think by the time you add drywall and insulation and stuff you're taking significant like you're shrinking down your usable space and I don't want to end up putting all this money into something and then having 
pretty much the same issue I have now, which is like I'm, I'm right where I'm left out, where where I am currently, just outside. Like I wanted to be a little bigger so that I have room for right for more stuff. And I mean, I don't want to like a friggin' warehouse size building, but I don't yeah. want a little tiny shack either. Yeah, you don't want a hangar in the backyard, but you know, it, yes, I want to be able to move around. Right. If you think you need a ten by ten, you may want to make it fifteen by ten or twenty by ten. Yeah, or bigger. Because even those, though, you think about with the, when you have racks along the walls, that's another, you know, 22 inches off the wall. Right. If I have a table in there, that cuts it down even more. Like, I don't want it to be to where I can't move around and work things comfortably. Right. And right. do, yeah, you know. It's yeah, and just, you're not a small fella. I'm not. <laughs> Damn yeah. it. And so I also think and it's nothing against the the wives or the significant others, but I think in their mind, because they don't necessarily think the way we do in this regard, in their mind, it's going to be like a prefab, you know, pool shed from Home Depot. That's like, you yeah. know, you know, eight by six. And, you know, you keep your pool skimmer and your chemicals and crap in there and maybe an old bandsaw from your dad. But no, we need basically a makeshift lab with enclosures. And I think that there's that that one person has something in their mind, another person has something in their mind. It's definitely yeah. not jiving. Yeah. No. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I thought you kept stuff at home, though, Bill. I didn't know it was all. Uh, my son has some turtles, and we have one uh, juvenile red tegu in the room here. Uh, and that's it as far as reptiles go. Oh, wow. Yeah, I thought your whole house was the menagerie. <laughs> no, it, it was. And then uh, we we actually um, are, got lucky. Our, our living room is humongous. We live in a really old house. And um, we, we had it set up, you know, all along the walls. And it was actually, like, nicely furniture style done. And as we started to expand doing the shows, uh, it just... I needed a handful of bigger species and accommodated, you know, like I, mean, I have a 50 inch Argus monitor. Like he just can't, he can't live here. If he, he could in, in my basement, it would be feasible. But as far as the layout of our house, like I cannot house him in my home. He's too big. And so we, especially working with the rescue, you know, we, we had the giant Sokata and things like that. And so just to be able to, what I thought was care for them, the way the what I want is the right way. Uh, I just needed more space than was feasible here. But yeah, I mean, like all of our colubrids, gecko, you know, all that kind of stuff. You know, that's super easy to fit in in our house. Uh, it was just that once we had a facility for the larger things, I was like, nah, man, let's just put everything there. Timers, set it all up. It just conglomerated all. And then Teresa's a tegu nerd, so whenever she has a birthday or anniversary and I get her a random lizard she babies it in the room for a little while that's cool you get it established and have a little fun with it and when the mm -hmm. time comes you ship them out so that's cool so Justin is this your segue into our primary topic tonight it is <laughs> I know we're like 45 minutes in but <laughs> it's good it's, it's what we do man this is it the is. THN we have no agenda we're fly by the seat. We fly by the seat of our pants around here. 
Well, what's funny is I uh, I have a new side hobby that is uh, I basically got into numismatics. So anybody who doesn't know what that is, go Google it. Um, and I started listening to this one podcast, and they try to keep it around an hour, but you can totally tell that the interviews they have, like they have like their opening stuff, or like they talk about current events and they have their closing stuff, but the interview in the middle with their guests, you can tell was probably two or three hours, mm -hmm. if not longer. And they cut it up and edited it to be like exactly 36 minutes to fit in that hour block. And all I could think of was, man, this is a great show with great guests and great hosts and good conversation and good topic. And yes, numismatics is super boring to most people, but it sucks they cut it up, man. Like, it's not like you're paying for airtime. It's a podcast, you know? Right. So I love the way we do things, man. Maybe I'm biased. Yeah. Well, we were wanting to talk See, about... See, at least Justin does, like, prompts and stuff. Like, I've, I've heard guests reference that of, like, he, he lets folks know, like, you know, here's some of the ideas I thought about talking or what have you. Like, dude, I don't even do that. Like I'm texting with people or messaging and I'm like, yo, Xenogama are awesome. Come tell me about them. Mm -hmm. And then I just let Philip talk. Like if, if you heard the episode that I just did with Philip, like I actually said uh, 10 seconds before I hit record, uh, we actually were already doing the episode because he just got on and was like, ah, <laughs> and it started going. I was like, yo, yeah, I don't, I'm not trying to be a jerk, but like, shut up for five seconds. I'm going to hit go live and then just keep saying what you were saying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, just go. Yeah. I mean, like the outlines and stuff, at least when we do THP, because that's when I do them the most. Like with this, we really don't usually have one. We just have like a topic in mind and we kind of just slowly make our way to it. Um, the, like the outlines and stuff for THP are, are for us to be able to keep things like they're short outlines. They're not super long, super in depth where it's like, okay, at this point we're going to transfer to this. It's like, here's a list of stuff we want to cover. A lot of it's so I don't forget these questions because I know I will. Uh, but you leave enough wiggle room for tangents and follow up questions. And like the way we've got it figured out now, I think we have a pretty good system in place for that kind of stuff to where we get like by the end of the episode, we're right at like an hour and a half, two hours. We feel like we've covered everything we wanted to cover. Um, and it just, it works out. Like we've just, we've, yeah. we've got it, the tempo right to where we've, we've got it all sort of. Yeah. And I think that the three of us uh, do a great job of, despite our intense departures, I think the three of us do a great job of keeping on, on that list, even if it's not in order. Right. Right. And just, and, but keeping the pace and keeping everything mm -hmm. else. So, and uh, yes, Billy Jenkins, numismatics. I thought it was like connects or something. Yeah. I, uh, I a, new, a rector set with Lincoln logs attached to them. So enlighten us, Smitty, as to your thoughts on this topic. So something, oh. this is actually something that me and Jake had talked about a couple weeks ago. Cause he was like, you know, he had, he had talked about, he's talked about how he always wanted to open like a, like a serpentarium of sorts. You know, like right. a, a public sort of place where people can come through, check out a bunch of cool stuff. Like every Herper's dream. Pretty much. And so I think at one point this was, we had talked about this being a THP episode, but I was like, you know what? This would be a good Snakes and Sogi's one. And Bill being a guy who has a public facility and does talks and stuff like that, I wanted to get into sort of 
the nitty gritty of how you go about actually doing that because me and Jake talked about it in depth one day just when we were cleaning mice or something and I'm like man it'd be awesome to do but I feel like there's a lot of hurdles you got to jump over not only you know with your your county or your city like insurance um finding a space that that suitable like location marketing stuff which that isn't as much of the problem as as the physical stuff is but I don't I mean what was the when did you guys decide to make like a public facility um I I have had my uh zoo plan drawn out since I was in undergrad uh that's that's I actually did a I planned out a zoo as part of an undergrad project at, at one point uh, and my roommate in college, we, we worked a whole thing out. But anyway, so I, I've always wanted to do it. Uh, I, even when I was studying this stuff in school, educating other people was like the goal. Mm-hmm. I, I like studying them. I like field herping and, and, and doing field work, but I, I got, I don't know, just as much enjoyment as bring, when I brought those pictures back and told students about the trip that we did or whatever. And so I figured out that I liked both. And then that went into the zoological field and things like that. And zookeepers don't make any money. So um, (laughs) I went a different career path and then started doing the, the shows as a side hobby. And it, we started that in 2012, I think as like an official business with Teresa and myself. I've been doing it since I was in high school, uh, either helping people and then in college doing it on my own. And um, dude, once we started doing stuff on Facebook and social media, it exploded. And I didn't realize the demand was what this. Mm-hmm. We're kind of close to Chicago and Tinley's a big deal. So I probably should have expected it, but I didn't. And that, the demand for the shows that we were doing necessitated us getting a bigger collection. We needed, like we ended up doing things for like the museum of science and industry. That's not like take a selfie with a boa. That is real science, real collections, having actual specimens and licenses and, and all sorts of things. And when it went that direction, I, you know, we, we needed it to house the specimens that we wanted to, to be able to present. And then when I was talking to Teresa about it, I was like, I, I don't just want to get a pole building and house them. It, it just seemed wasteful. Like if, if I was going to have a facility to house specimens like this, why would I not have it be dual purpose right. in that people right. could come to it? Um, yeah. What's I mean, the point in having those something? Things, right. Like you either go yeah. all the way or you don't like, there is no in between. Did he freeze? No, he's still moving. No, no he's frozen. I'm here. Oh, he, he blinked. He oh. blinked. I heard no in between. <laughs> That's all I got. Yeah, I said it's one of those things where you kind of you either have to go all the way or you kind of don't do it at all. Like at least yes. for it to be something that becomes an attraction, like a reason for people to come to an area, like you want it to be the, you know, you want, you want the show, you want the whole thing. 
Yeah, and it it was also like at the time we were really heavily involved with the rescue and a big part of what we did for the rescue and for most of the outlets in that type of uh, realm, I guess, in the Midwest where we were the people that dealt with the giant stuff. Mm-hmm. And so it, it became very obvious, very fast that there aren't a lot of people who actually are equipped to do that. And a lot of times the people, even the people that are skilled at that, don't necessarily have the space to help when it comes to like a department of natural resources or, you know, confiscation or things like they would call us and be like, Hey, if this conservation cops goes and takes this alligator, it's going to go in his basement at home until he can bring it to the courthouse or, or whatever. Like, yeah, they're not set up to do that. You know, like, Oh, so you're going to take a gator to a courthouse for a, a trial like what are you talking about that's like <laughs> they just didn't have the resources to do some of those things and so it it really pushed us to like look we need a facility for what we want to do the things that we're getting involved with and, and getting more involved with as we get licenses and you kind of get your bona fides right like idnr mm-hmm. came inspected us and they were like oh like you went to school for this and know what you're talking about you're not just an idiot with a retic like Right. Okay. Like we'll, we'll bring more things. You can be more involved. We did a lot of work with um, some smaller zoological facilities uh, in Illinois and that afforded us access to some species that other people probably don't get access to. Um, I, I was at a dinner and Teresa shut it down really quick, but I was at a dinner for a charity thing for a zoo and a curator of a zoo was like, yo, do you still have your giant van? And I was like, yeah, of course. Like, you know, we do all the family stuff plus the reptiles. And he was like, in the basement of this banquet thing is a 12 foot Orinoco crocodile. Do you <laughs> think we could build a, a crate and, and fit it in your van? And I didn't know, but his, so his wife and Teresa were hanging out like at the other end of the table. Oh, and she just leaned out and was like, no, <laughs> Man, what it? What, why not? So at the time, she 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 is way better now, but she was not a reptile person. She was a teacher, and and she enjoys teaching and she enjoys working with children and doing that kind of thing. And she came to be a reptile person, like secondary to that. You know, she she fell in love with our giant retic. She really likes tegus. She is. You know, my son is big into turtles, so she loves helping him. Like, she has very specific interests in the reptile hobby, but it started with her teaching kids about the stuff that I was keeping and and doing lessons. And so she she was like, no, that you can't, you can't just get a crocodile. Like, that's not a thing. And I was like, yeah, well, but that's see, and it, but people don't think about that. Like. You're right. You can't just get a crocodile. However, if you have an assured, insured, sorry, an insured inspected facility that is permitted, yes, you can. Now there, there's money and, you know, there's more to it than that. Mm-hmm. But as far as like the actual legal ability to possess that thing in our state, yeah, you, you absolutely can because we, 
did what we were supposed to do and followed the rules and you know so on and so forth and it was coming from an accredited institution and yeah so, but now he just wanted you to transport right he wasn't donating it right no he was talking about us taking possession of it oh okay <laughs> yeah yeah Even better yeah like crazy craziness um which is funny because at the time uh teresa was like no i don't want to do crocodilians um there was a semi-famous person in Illinois that did a lot of shows with alligators, and uh, there is still a semi-famous person in Illinois, a separate person, that does uh, displays with crocodilians. And it's a situation where um, she got to see behind the curtain, and it mm. was not what you would hope it would be. Yeah, And so that really turned her off to that. And she she was very against it once she saw the negatives for, from those particular folks. And it took a really long time for her to like we have crocodilians now. Um, but the that was honestly driven by when the Department of Natural Resources came to inspect us. He he he's over the moon. And and it, it's all in Teresa's name. She the permits are hers, that this is her business. Um, I help run it, but it, it is, it's for business. And he was like, no, you, you're really good. You, you can do this. And I think it was different that it wasn't me saying it, I guess. And, and he, you know, he's, this is his profession. It's his, it's his job to say whether or not you're okay at this. Right, and, right. and when he came, cause at the time we had, we have like an endangered species permit for some turtles and stuff like people here endangered species but that doesn't necessarily mean it's crazy it can just like yeah, in our state yeah, it, assume it's bengal tiger when it's not it's a wood turtle dude in, in illinois it's a western hognose like it, it can be yeah. simple yeah. things and um so but it's you know you still have to be inspected and that kind of thing and um so he inspected us for some benign things and you know saw saw the rear fangs set up saw you know and oh man did you guys ever think about, you know, because in Illinois, you can't have exotic venomous. It has to be North American native. And he was like, well, you know, I, I, you can't have a cobra and you can't have these things. But, you know, you could explain hooding and stuff. Maybe if you had a false water cobra or you could like he was giving us ideas for how to teach these things, but not have an ACA venom facility, you know. Right. right. And so I think that kind of. Like she heard that and was like, oh, well, this dude, like this dude thinks that we could be the people with the crocodile. Like, you know, yeah. and it it really helped to push that on, especially for her. She is a mom. So like she carries tegus in a hoodie. Like that's how she gets big lizards to not be obnoxious. She just treats them like dogs and toddlers until they stop. And like that's what she did with a gator. She's like, nah, we're just going to hold it. I'll tape its face shut and it'll it'll get, you know, like. She just yeah, you're, you're bringing we'll, it like a horse. We'll make it. We'll make it yeah. last. And it bringing it like a horse. Yeah, but it's also the reason, you know, her experiences or lack thereof are also why we don't have uh, North American venomous. We, we do have the boiga, and we use that to explain to schools the uh, venomous rules for Illinois and, and how they're kept and, and things like that because they're treated the same way. Um, but we don't have any 
uh, North American venomous yeah. because for the same reason, she, she is the person that catches the bull snake when it comes shooting out of the tub. Mm-hmm. And she, she is worried that she wouldn't be able to break the habit. And so we kind of yeah. have to like, I can do it. I'm good, but she can't. And she's my partner. And so we, you know, we built the facility to accommodate both. Sure. What, sure, was the, what was the biggest hurdle with the entire thing? Was it like insurance and getting permitted? And like that to me seems like it would be the biggest. So biggest insurance, thing. insurance is weird. Um, having a facility makes your insurance better. Uh, mm-hmm. I am, I am charged. So my insurance chart, my insurance premium for the month changes every year. And it is assessed based on how many, uh, how much exposure I have to the public. And they do that by number of events. Any event outside of my facility is a higher risk. Right. And that so it, it's to my benefit to have everybody come to me. And price-wise, it actually is for me as well. Like I... I charge the same amount of money for someone to come to my facility if they want to have an event and they get double the time because it's two blocks from my house. So if you want to come hang out for two hours, instead of me driving to your house for an hour for your birthday party, I'll drop the mileage because I'm not driving and I'll, it's the same amount of money because it's, it's my place. Mm -hmm. And then on the insurance side, I, it's to my benefit at the, at the end of the year, if I can show that I did more on-site uh, presentations and exposure to the public, my insurance rate will go down. And do they have it a was, certain uh, insurance for that kind of business or is it something they would have? It's, with it's just treated like a petting zoo. Okay. So it was really hard to find uh, insurance that kind of understood what I was talking about. Um, I, so Jason hood, he, he lives in Florida now, but he was the president of the Chicago Herpetological society and they do some, some public outreach stuff and things like that. And so I went through them to help find an insurance broker in the Midwest that would kind of understand what I, what I was saying when I explained this business and my lady's cool. Like she follows me on Facebook. She's, she's super cool, but the way she wrote, wrote everything and described it all. It's, it's just like, I could have goats and a camel or I can have a tortoise. Like they don't care. They, that's not true. Like they liability do care. Like, liability kind of thing. Pretty much. Like I, I give them a, I gave her a species list. Um, she like, they know I, I like talked about the rules in Illinois, like in Illinois, you can't touch venomous as a member of the public. Like it doesn't matter what I have. It has to stay in the enclosure. Or if I'm out doing a demonstration, like if I wanted to show it, uh, even the Boiga, if I wanted to show it on a hook, you have to be a minimum of 10 feet away from me. Like there, there are very, very specific rules to limit public exposure to anything involving venomous. And, and my insurance people know that. And so like that doesn't change my liability because there is no, no public exposure to that. And so the rule here are, I mean, that's actually a really good rule. I strongly believe in that rule, but the rules here are pretty strict when it comes to doing the shows and stuff that I do, but that helps me because insurance people know that like you can't screw around. 
and our IDNR feet people watch. Mm-hmm. Like if you go on Facebook and your address is listed in Illinois and you do something dumb, somebody's gonna knock on your door. Like they're they're looking. It literally just happened. I got messaged about a Cayman in a suburb around Tinley, and then the conservation police posted on their Facebook page in a suburb around Tinley, there's a conservation cop holding a Cayman like this. And I was like, uh, I don't know if it's the same people, but it's definitely the same town. And that looks a lot like the picture you sent me. Say, <laughs> and, what are the odds? I mean, <laughs> and I didn't call that cop. So yeah, like they're looking, they are paying attention for sure. Yeah. I think that, uh, it speaks volumes to go about it the way that you guys have um, and to focus on key pieces of your business for specific reasons. You know, like you don't just have stuff to have stuff. Like there is a, there's a rhyme and a reason for it. Well, I do. Whether well, no, no, I mean in, in the business capacity and in the educational right. business capacity. Yes. So, and that doesn't mean like oh, you have to have a retic because you have to have that one big snake. No, but I mean, you you have the certain insurances. I'm sure you're bonded to a certain degree. You have the certain licenses. You know certain people. Networking yeah. and 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 being friendly with certain individuals is all part of the, you know, the circle of it. So. I, I think it's fantastic the way you're doing it. I really do. Well, and like, if you look in the chat, um, the whole dealing with the public part. So that actually is the biggest downside to having a facility. Um, it, you would think that it's like the municipal, your county or whatever. And it could be like, if, if your town or county doesn't allow it, then you just can't do it. Right. Like I, I like if we had to, like I would file a petition or, or you know, try to change a, a ordinance or something, you know, but we're pretty fortunate in that we don't have to worry about that. The part that you have to worry about is like a little bit public perception and a little bit like somebody just said something about uh, stress on the animals with the public poking at the cages and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um that's for real. Like you, uh, we don't have chameleons. We don't have, um, I have one planted tank that was uh, dart frog style, but like I have morning geckos in my really big planted tank. We don't have, you know, we don't have delicate things, right? Uh, you know, we, some of our aquatic stuff maybe. But that's actually in the basement. And then, you know, like we have a sign. You don't go in the basement without an adult, so on and so forth. Um, but like main, the main floor out in the open, we have uh, like pews set up for uh, kids to sit on for walking field trips and stuff. Dude, that's like a, a green iguana, a rhinoceros iguana, a water monitor, uh, a big old berm, a red foot, stuff that just does not care that there are people around, like they don't care about the monkeys that are walking around. There's some leopard geckos and stuff like all of my, like my Amazon tree boas and our, what, well, we just moved the younger Cayman, but 
uh, when we had a younger Cayman, they were in the bathroom. Like if, if you use the bathroom in my facility and you're sitting down, you're looking at a planted tank with a Cayman in it. And next to the <laughs> sink is some Amazon tree boas because it was dark. Nobody was really in there. It was intermittently used and they don't really like people. You know, the, the younger one was kind of figuring it out and Amazon tree boas just don't want weird monkeys by them. And so yeah. they, they did their own thing. You know, our smaller lizards and any of the smaller snakes are in two separate rooms. Our, all of our hatchling stuff, uh, at one time we were doing boas a little bit separate so they could kind of get over it because a few of those are rescues and they're a little high strung. Closed off separate rooms. And, and the boas were actually in a storage room. People did not go in there if you weren't related to me. You know, and our office was the same way where the hatchlings were. I'm literally pointing at Teresa like people on the podcast can see that. But um, <laughs> the she's waving, which you also can't see. But the um, like the, the, the hatchlings for sure. The, the hatchlings were the same way. Like the did the office is closed. You know, no admittance, so on and so forth. If you're not related to me, you don't go in there. And all of in my daughter's invertebrates are in little displays and she has some acrylic stuff and it's pretty cool sitting up on top of the Argus monitor enclosure. Like you're not, you're not going to put your hands on them and little knock them down or, or it, what yeah. have you. Yeah. And, it, and of course, you know, everything has jewelry locks or sliding locks depending on, you know, style or, or whatever. Um, even like, like I had, you know, like the snake rack and stuff, they're all key lock. You know, my, my Boiga is, in an enclosure, I can just take the entire enclosure, and I, I have, and I set it up on top of our bearded dragon display. And so when I when I have a walking field trip, and I'm to the point where I'm going to explain that, I literally take the entire enclosure down, set it on the table, give my speech. This is what it looks like. Blah blah blah. Here's the locks. We don't touch it. This is why. And then I take the whole thing. I put it back up. Let's talk about bearded dragons. Like we don't. Mm -hmm. The, the things that are high strung or, you know, a little more stressy, we don't have monkeys around them. So you, you do, it takes a lot more planning because I don't know them. Like, and you know, we have, you have to have your parents with you, but like, I, I don't care if they're three years old, like you can bring your kid in that's fine. It's nothing's going to happen to them. The doors are mm -hmm. closed, but that's the kid that's going to like shove over the glass thing with a black widow in it or something stupid. And then it's going to be a nightmare. Right. And so all that stuff has to be, you, you basically child proof your collection, even if you don't have kids. Mm -hmm. How difficult was your city or County with like, I guess to it, me, it seems like, especially here in Beaufort, thanks to Jeff Lowe from tiger King, uh, selling the city, or I guess depending on where exactly, because there's a lot of stuff is like, we have a county, we have the city, city annexes, some parts of the county. It's a whole thing. It's very confusing. But I feel like selling them on the idea of something like that, you'd have to basically say, this is what we're projecting this to bring in money-wise, you know, during a given summer. Like, it is in, in your interest to, to make something like this happen. Like, it is worth it. We're not idiots. Like, we want to be legit. Was it difficult so for you to sell that to, to your local governing body no but we live in a really small town and so even before we had a facility like 
we're the parents that like our kids bring cool stuff for show and tell. Uh, I let my tortoise walk around by the elementary school when school got out, like people knew that we did show and we did shows prior to having a facility. So people knew mm -hmm. us from that. A, a big sticking point in our town in particular was they had a bad experience with a pet store. And which is funny because that the governing body has since changed out, but the governing folks at the time and the village board or, or what have you were like, we, we don't want a small pet store here. We had a really bad experience and, and we're not, so it, it wasn't a big deal, but it, we had to explain to them that, and I still do. I literally had a guy, I was feeding stuff today and I had a guy knock on the door and he was like, Hey, are you interested in carrying cat and dog food? And I was like, this isn't a pet store. And he goes, Oh, and, and the reason that I say that is the front of our facility is dear. How big are the windows? 10 by eight, eight by eight, 10 by eight. They're like two 10 by eight panes of glass is the front of my facility. And Teresa wrote in white paint in like three foot letters, reptile petting zoo so that people would stop thinking it's a pet store. The dude walked, he walked by a six foot tall sign that said reptile petting zoo and asked if I wanted to carry dog food as if they don't, you know, people don't pay attention, but it, I am of the mind that like, the only thing we really had to do was we had to be inspected by the fire marshal. There was a fee to have our sign uh, like above the awning type thing. You have to pay extra for that. Yeah. And then, you know, insurance, you know, you have to prove that you have insurance and, and that kind of thing. And I was like, okay. Um, I, I understand, you know, you don't want a pet store or so on and so forth. You had a, had a bad experience and that's not what I'm doing anyway and so it, no worries but i'm also the kind of person that was like well this dude signed a lease and rented the building to me so i'm gonna put whatever i want in there because i'm paying for that yeah like you, as long as there's no ordinance saying like i didn't break a law you're not gonna tell me that i can't do that like that's insane yeah i think that that's an issue that we have down by me in terms of most of the cities, and I'll say most of them, because there are some very small cities, and I use air, finger air quotes, very small cities that are uh, fancy themselves as being the bougiest of bougie. And those small communities, I can imagine them being like, we don't want a reptile showroom. But for the most part, by me, is money talks. So if right. you buy the licenses and you pay for the permits and you have a tax ID number and an LLC, they don't give a crap. And the one thing that I was always concerned with when looking at things like this is the money in terms of the upkeep, because you have to maintain it to look the way that they want it to look, and the hidden ordinances of permitting and licensing. Like, for example, the city that I work in, there's like a, a business license for the city, but then there's also a resellers like a resellers merchant license basically so you could sell pre-owned things 
So it, let's say you had like a, a, a used clothing store. You would have to have that license. Otherwise, they shut you down. Right. And like little small city nuances, I feel like could be a hiccup, but it's very different by me. It's money so, talks. No, no. hundred percent. If you were to drive three highway exits north of us, same thing. And it, yeah. that that weighs very heavily on what we do. So our facility does not make a lot of money. I don't necessarily care about that. Like I don't I don't need it to mm-hmm. as far as the the money is concerned. But I know a couple highway exits north, I could print money in that thing on, on the tourism yeah. side, right? right? Sure. The problem is million, million two, right out of the gate to yeah. set up a facility the way that their town's ordinances will say that it has to be set up. Mm-hmm. Right. And like my facility is not bad. <laughs> it's 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 nice, but it would it I don't I'm not like an AZA accredited facility. Yeah. And yeah. those things are essentially written that way to make make it so you can't do it. Yeah. And, and it, it also comes out of rent too, because right. you could have a great location where you are, you know, you minimal advertising, lots of tourist traffic. Uh, you have local school board traffic in terms of field trips and summer camps and all that cool stuff. And you could make a nice little piece of money to to keep the facility going as well as put some cash in your pocket. But none of that matters if rent is $30,000 a month. Right. You know what I mean? And well, a lot was... of like places by me, that's what it is. <laughs> yeah. Well, so that was um, the Gurney Mills. It's like a gigantic mall up here. It's like a big okay. deal in the Midwest. Sure. Um, they had a, it, I don't, it wasn't like the um, the franchise Rainforest Cafe, but it was basically a Rainforest Similar. Cafe, you know? Right, right. And touristy thing, you know, fish and turtles and frogs and, you know, like a Rainforest Cafe. Yeah. And it was cool. Like, really nice. They're a little more high-end, so they didn't really care for that. And they, um, his, his lease ended on, on one end of the mall, they didn't renew it and would only renew his lease on the other end of the mall in, okay. in an open uh, storefront. Right. Sa- same square footage, same, you know, everything was the same. We, yeah, they we just, just moved you, We just need you over there. Close the business. He was like, yeah. I can't move. Like, because he had, you know, like, I don't know if, if you guys have a rainforest cafe type thing down by Sure, there, sure. Like, you know, like the ten foot circular aquariums. And yeah, look like Disneyland, dude. Like just crazy yeah. equipment. Yeah, you know, you're not gonna forklift that thing to the other side of the mall. Like, right, it, right. That's not right. happening. Yeah. And dude was like, "Well, guess we're done." And now there's an empty rainforest cafe in that mall inst- instead of a functional. Like nobody yeah. else is gonna come in and pay to rip out his rainforest cafe either. Right. Exactly. It's just gonna sit there. But they yeah, didn't it, want the weird fish and snake dude in their yeah. cool mall. And so yep. that that is every part of what Teresa and I do. That is the 
the negative or the or the yeah. downside or whatever is the people that think it's trashy or or whatever that will always be the downside for this part of of, mm-hmm. of doing what we do like because kids are cool they're super into it most teachers are cool you know you're going to get like ones and twos of kids that are obnoxious or whatever but like 99 percent of them are awesome you know most parents are cool it it is the I don't really know if we want that kind of thing at our club or whatever type of deal, you know? Sure. Sure. To the point, like we, our prices are intentionally low because the school district that we uh, live in has a lot of families that are lower income. And so we priced it so that those folks could participate. And that's a big deal to us. And like we participated in the rescue and, and we do some charity things and that's, that's important to us. And we have people that like, they'll book us and we get there and it's a little weird at, at first or whatever. And you're not really sure why. And then we do the show. Everything's cool. Great. Get to the end and they tip us like as much as we charge them. And they're like, you you should charge more. I thought you were going to be trashy because you were cheap. And it's like, well, for one, I'm I'm not. It's kind of expensive to have me come to your show, I think. Because I'm, I mean, I, I'm okay, but I'm not, like, rich. Right. And we do shows in places, like, I have done shows in houses that look like castles. And it's one of those, like, you pull up in the driveway and you're like, oh, I should have charged this dude more. Like, but I also, like, ethically don't want to be that dude. Like, I don't want to Google Maps your zip code and then pick your price. Like, my price is what my price is. Because I I use a uh, a booking site to advertise things. If I come to you or if you come to me, either, either way. So it works for the facility, too. And I put the pricing structure in there. So, like, if you can afford that, then just click on it. And if you can't or whatever, like that's cool, but I'm not gonna, I don't want you to read that. And then I send you a price and you're like, that isn't what that said. And it's like, Oh, but you drive a nice car. So I changed it. Like, yeah, you yeah. can't, you know? Yeah. Well, so when I worked for underground, I was doing three or four events a week for them. And some of them were birthday parties for kids. Some of them were, you know, a uh, high school lecture hall. And Mm -hmm. it, the pricing structure I thought was very fair in the sense of keeping it where everyone could afford it. If you really wanted it for your kid's birthday party, you could afford it. But at the same time, it had to be cheap enough that an educational facility like a high school or a summer camp or something, they could afford it. Yes. Let me rephrase it. Let me rephrase it. Not that they could afford it is that it wasn't too high that it would be over their budget. Yes. Right. And what was interesting was the menu was more expensive the farther away it was. So if it was within, excuse me, if it was within 10 miles of Underground's facility, it was 150 bucks, let's just say, for an hour. If it was 20 miles, it'd be 180, Mm -hmm. you know. But if it was all the way down to Miami, well, now it's instantly 250. It was like if you if I have to cross the Dade County line 
which is <laughs> very much uh, oftentimes another country, <laughs> you better believe we're, we're, we're doubling it, you know, or, or, or whatever. And so, I always thought that was more than fair. So we do that, but it is, it is actually based on travel, not okay. like because you live in a fancy suburb. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah. That's, um, that's what this was. It was mileage. It was, yeah. it was mileage as the crow flies. Yeah. So we, um, so I, in my day job, am a, and I'm a government employee. And so I, I literally use the same model that they use to figure out mileage and stuff. And I, I just tell people like, you know, there's a rate, uh, an hourly rate for the event. And then you can just, it's like 52 cents or whatever the thing is. Uh, just Google maps me to you. And then you'll know what it is. Like, um, that has become a much bigger deal now that fuel prices and things like that. And for the longest time, Teresa and I didn't, um, we didn't factor in. Uh, we were kind of dumb. Like it's hard to figure out what your time and your expenses are worth. Like I, and not necessarily yeah, what our, what's our your time, time worth. worth. No, no. Like we what's your we figured time out, worth? Right. Well, we figured out what our hourly pay would be if we had to drive far away to a show and, and mm -hmm. it was cool. Like it's, it's less than I make at my day job, but more than she makes at her day job. So whatever, that's cool. The thing became we're, we're in the Midwest and it sounds kind of bad, but like we're really popular. I'm not trying to be a jerk or whatever, but so like we go from St. Louis to Wisconsin, Iowa to Indiana. Like we, we do shows literally in the center of the country. It's a big and spread. Yeah. And, and we have been really successful um, in some far flung, like we're, we're very popular in Wisconsin for whatever reason. Um, for a long time, we didn't account for that. So like now, if it's more than a two, like time-wise, if it's more than two hours, I actually add on to the price because given the vehicle that we use to transport things, I, it's going to, it's going to be a tank of gas. And then it, if her or I are doing it, we're gonna have to eat because it's, it's too far to go do like if yeah. I drive two hours, do a show and drive two hours back. Well, breakfast, lunch, I'm missing one of those meals to do that because it's too much of the chunk of the day. Right. And so right. it started to be like weird expense things that you weren't thinking about. Like, well, I'm making this much an hour. Like, that's cool. And then you're doing, you know, paying gas or like doing my bills for the month or whatever. And I'm like, this just doesn't look right. And it's like, yeah. well, yeah, man, you got to eat and like get gas. Well, and, and, and not you, even that. You know, we always we always use gas as the example because we're constantly depleting it and resupplying it. Right. But wear and tear on tires. You know what I mean? Sure. Air, air filters sure. for the vehicle. Transmissions. You know, not that specific, but but yeah, the, the actual wear and tear on the vehicle, wear and tear on on temporary enclosures and transport vessels. Oh you yeah, know, well, times dude, just like the number bins. of oil changes that we do yeah. a year on the van is mm -hmm. not what it would be if that was just our family vehicle. You know right. what I mean? Like right. like in my day job, I I live eighty miles from my office. Wow. And, and so I, I commute in a Prius, but my 
my car that I use for work has less miles than our van. And they're the same year. Like, wow. It, we, we do some, some moving for, for yeah. reptiles. Um, yeah. And, and so like you have to account for stuff like that, but that also goes back to having that facility of, I, I will make a lot of price concessions, kind of work it out. If you'll come to me because sure. dude, you, you cut 90% of my expenses. Then it really is just my time because you know, like I got to clean up or you want to do a cake right. or whatever, like that kind of thing. Um, but like that part of it, yes, it's your time and, and you really should account for what your time is worth. But it's pretty cool that like, I just hang out at people's birthday. Like that's, if, yeah. if you're coming to my facility with you know our animal collection, we're hanging out. And I, I do a reptile show, which I like doing anyway. And then I get free cupcakes and then I have to take out the garbage. <laughs> like that's not that bad of a job, you know, like it's still work, but you know, yeah. yeah. You could be the magician and have to really sell it. <laughs> All right. God forbid the clown. Ooh. That one, you just got to dress up and scare kids. That one's, that one's just yeah. as easy. But yeah, it, to it totally makes sense. It does. But no, and what's crazy is is the when when we were talking about this before the show about how we were going to talk about this. None of these things that we're talking about now is what I was thinking we were going to talk about. So this is even better. It, dude, the facility thing. Aside from money, it's very expensive. Straight up, it's it's very expensive to to have a facility. It just is. Um, it isn't that hard, man. Like. It, our family life is different because of it, mm -hmm. but it also just is our family life. Like my kids before school turn on shop lights or whatever, but my son is also really into the turtles. And so he, he likes to go feed the turtles and, and clean filters and, and do whatever. Right. All those invertebrates that are sitting in there. Indy, that's her big thing, you know, and like my oldest daughter, she was kind of into ball pythons for a little bit. She is more of a, she likes to cuddle things and hang out and she was into the teaching thing. And as she became an older teen, she doesn't like, she thinks little kids are annoying now. And so right. she's kind of struggling with that of whether or not she wants to help it at stuff. Well, that's but, also like I was just going to say your son, like he's all into the turtles and everything now. But there will be a time when the hormones kick in and sure, 100 percent that stuff gets backburnered. You know what yeah, I mean? For sure. So. And, it, you know, it, it's one of those things where like it. There is major cost associated with it, but. None of the rest of it was hard, man, like it. We're very lucky in that. Teresa and I, we like to build stuff. We, we enjoy the DIY stuff. I, you know, we were talking about getting a black box and then I uh, hang out with Mike Stefani. And so I want to use zoo poxy on it. And we're, we're very into that part of it. And so that sure. actually saves us a lot of money. Right. Because if, right. if I wanted to have the facility that we have and have the species that we have, and then I had to just purchase all of those enclosures and things, 
we we probably would not be able to afford that because yeah. we keep really big stuff. It, it size for us, it's not you know there's lights and, and things there's costs associated with that, but like it's you know if you're gonna buy a prefab enclosure to fit a pair of Argus monitors, like or I could just buy a new car. Like it's, you're going to yeah. run into like major yeah. expenses, you know? And, and like we have friends in, in the zoo industry and that is, you know, that is a huge part of their cost is when you go to the zoo, it's beautifully landscaped. It's, you know, it's set up in a certain way. It's, it's a PR campaign, right? It's, sure. it's set sure. up in a way to make you interested in it because realistically you're taking your kid there because they wanted to hear about polar bears or whatever. You don't actually care. You just want to walk around and have a nice time. And so like 90% of their budget is landscaping just to make the place yeah. look nice. So you'll hang out. Yeah. And then you like, if, especially if you're from up here, you go to Brickfield zoo, you go into the, the reptile section. It's a building from like the 1940s. Like they just got cool enclosures and it's because people donated stuff. Like it's not, it's not set yeah. up that way because 30, it's thirty-five dollar t-shirts don't cut it expense. anymore, right? Yeah. yeah, and so if we are very fortunate that we enjoy it, but are also pretty good at it, and it that saves us a lot of expense. Yeah, um, you you also think about this too. Is that I don't know how many exhibits you have, for lack of a better synonym, but you and your wife have a very good. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You guys have the freedom because you're because you're a government employee and you only work so many hours a week because she's a teacher and she only works, you know, she has X amount of holidays and summers or whatever. You guys can get in there way more. If I was going to try and yes. do what you're doing, I physically couldn't. I would have to quit my job and that would have to become my full time job. It would. Right. Yeah. yeah. If if I were single. It well, and given my career is a little different, but like the, the level of automation and things that I would need to yeah. accomplish that without having a partner, without having the kid, like it, it would be crazy. It yeah. would be possible just because of the equipment and stuff that's available to us now, but the sure. expense would be astronomical. Like right. I, I love you know, Govies and, and all, you know, Miss King. And we have some of the coolest stuff now available in the hobby where you could automate, you could mm -hmm. literally automate a jungle. Dude, it's amazing. Bluetooth power strips. Right. You know? And it, and it, so it, it's, it is feasible, but you, you would significantly add to the cost. Um, right. Right. And it, and know, that matters it does, a lot of folks. It helps a lot too with your kids because we make the joke about, you know, oh, the kid's free labor, but you're having a, you're, you're interacting with your kid who's interested in this. It's, it's a oh, bonding yeah. moment. You're having fun and you're getting some of the work done, you know? So yeah, it's double edged. For sure. Yeah. Oh, and that, you know, like even for like something like building enclosures, like they paint them or, you know, yeah. they drew the inside the giant iguana enclosure. I didn't do fake plants. They painted the walls and like, Teresa cool. painted trees with the kid. Like, you know, it, it's what we do now as yeah. a family. And so it, that, that's a huge difference maker in that, like, this isn't my thing. And then I'm trying to like 
I got to make time for my wife and make time for my kids and right. and right. also do all the rest of this crap. Like, yeah. no, we we all go do stuff and then we come home and do home stuff and you know, it it makes a big difference. Yeah, yeah, um, and you're also you're not shoving it down your kid's throat either. They're interested in it. <laughs> You know, like, I mean, we always yeah. make that joke about, you know, our parents had to walk uphill both ways in the snow. You know, my dad used to tell me stories when we, when I grew up on a farm and, you know, when he was a kid, it was dairy farm at that time. And he had to go out and he had to plow snow or like by hand with a hand plow, or he had to, you know, throw bales onto an elevator into a silo. And like, he had to, it's not that he liked farming. He had to. At least mm -hmm. in your scenario, the, your children love this stuff. You love this stuff, and you get to do it together, and that helps immensely. I'm sure, for sure. And it, there are definitely still like, hey, you need to go water all the plants. Like you know, yeah. there's yeah, there are still kids. Kids and are kids. So like, yeah, sure. But yeah, the the fact that they are actually interested, you know, like I I don't have to tell Indy you know what to do with tarantulas like she read up she knows i'm there and like making sure you know some of the slings aren't scooting off or whatever but like she knows to feed stuff she knows to water stuff she's still 13 so every now and again you got to be like hey man for real water them but you know but it's it definitely is not you know like a family restaurant where you have to be a waitress because we can't afford it's not like that you know what i mean yeah, yeah the feather leg out. got loose i don't know where it went <laughs> right yeah there's we've definitely had some uh how about i rehouse that and then yeah. you do the next one <laughs> dad there's a usambara in the powder room yeah there's there's a reason that all of the invertebrates are at the shop and not in our home so that's, that's a thing. Yeah, that's a thing. Yeah. Me and Jake think uh, that if we did something, it would do well. Just given that Buford is a very touristy place, you know, there's a lot of out of towners, especially this time of year. There's really nothing nearby like it, you know, except for like the Charleston Aquarium, I guess. Um, I don't know. It just it's something these we kind of talked ourselves out of. I will tell you, we're like this is going to be way more people tough, will but... be. We'll do it well way more people will be into it than you will know so what uh how do i say that what i'm like way more people facebook stalk me than i knew mm. and and so like i'll go to big public events right and and people will just come out of the woodwork and and like they know the names of my stuff or <laughs> like when I walk around NARBC, people know, I mean, you know, big red beard, whatever, like people know, or, and like, that's a, it's a, always a funny thing for Teresa. Like she usually has some kind of color in her hair and, and people are like, Oh, Hey, yeah, you're the people that do the whatever. Like, yeah, it, yeah, it is much more popular than I think people let on. And our town is weird. It, it's small. It's very old. And there are a lot of people that are like that little old lady that is, you know, oh, that's so nice. You have snakes. Just stay over there. And that's yes, gross or whatever. Yeah. But then like, so like my mom, my mom is that person. My mom <laughs> does not like this stuff. She has only ever pet like two reptiles. She, she does not 
do this stuff. However, she sells my crap to more people than, oh, my son, my son's got a zoo. He's got all yeah. this stuff. I, I don't hate ever it, but go. you would probably love it. You should it, check. Yeah. Dude, she, she does it all the time. It's super gross. Your kids would love it. Nice. That's nice. And I'm like, that's not how you sell stuff. Stop doing that. Like, but it works. But it oh, works. yeah. Because the, yeah. all the grandmas that are her age are the same way. They're yeah. like, oh, that's really gross. But yes, I'm sure my grandson would love it. You know, mm -hmm. and it, it, you, I thought, and, and I still do to some extent, like I, I'm very paranoid about, I, I clean the place like a nut job before people come to it. It probably more than I necessarily need to, because I'm always worried that we're already the reptile people. Like I'm already a bald dude with a beard and tattoos I'm already that guy in our town, you know, our kids hunt and do like combative sports and we're already those people. And so if they show up here and there's like dirt on the floor, they're going to be like, Oh, of course there is. Cause it's the freaking reptile people. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And I'm then really there's also, paranoid of that. there's also a, a group of, I don't want to say the wrong, the wrong slur but a group of what i would jovially call reptilian karens where yes. they're they're herpers guys girls whatever and typically millennials and they will see some urates in a cage at a zoo oh yeah complaint. and it's like look man you know what it's like because you have your own collection at home why you got to be that guy because they're, they're pristine because they, they would have cleaned pristine. it you know, and, and like yes. I joke, I joke with with Billy Hunt about this all the time, because when Casey and I go to visit, he's always like, oh, my cages are so dirty and they're not. They're like immaculate. Billy's just OCD about that stuff. Mm -hmm. But I know that if I'm having guests, I want it to look tip top right. as if I'm being inspected by Fish and Wildlife. Mm -hmm. But like if you guys came over and there was urates in the cage, like. I, I don't care because you guys know that's part of it. Like you can't get them all all the time, you know? Yeah, for sure. So, but when you have it open to the public and you have a group of individuals come through and you don't know who necessarily is part of that party, mm -hmm. it's gotta be pristine. And yep. that can be a lot. Oh yeah. Especially dude. Like, you know, we have cyclura, we have uromastic, we you know, we have things that, snot salt all over the glass you know like i'm that dude that like there, there's pictures on the facebook of like indy is sitting inside the argus enclosure with windex just like scrubbing crap because somebody was coming over and yeah because it it was stupid it was like dusty or whatever and it's like well yeah there's a 50 inch dirt lizard in there it's probably dusty but i was like no they need to be able to see through like it's low iron glass, like scrub it, right. you know. Yeah. And God so then my kids in there frogs. sitting on a lizard. I want kids to, to run Dexter. into it thinking that it's open. What's up? So I want kids to run into the glass thinking that it's open. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, right. Yeah. Because then, but because if you, uh, my big thing is are iguanas. Iguanas are terrible for it. Because, because I feel like then I spend half of the event. Like, oh, it's because they, and I, then I explain salt sneezes and I give that lesson like 14 times because every person that walks by and they're like, why is your glass all dirty? And it's like, no, 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 here's why I'm not a slob. 
It's actually this lizard. First of all, don't worry asshole. about it. He's just going to keep doing it, you know. It's none of your business. Yeah, shut your mouth, kid. What you know about your mastic sneezing? Well, and that's the thing, too, is it it isn't always adults that are being snotty. Sometimes it's kids, and they don't... They're kids. So they're like... They say the darndest things. Yeah. Well, and so we also have quite a few animals that came from the rescue and we purposely use them and, and we, you know, tell their story and so on and so forth. And they are kind of beat up because they came through the rescue route and dude, kids call that out all the time. Like that one doesn't have a toe or that looks weird or because they look weird, you know? And then (laughs) it, it works because for us, it's a segue into oh, well, here's why, and he wasn't taken care of, and this is what happened, and blah, blah, blah. But if the kid says that, and then his mom is one of those people, and they turn around and are like, oh, my God, it doesn't have a toe. Like, what? And, and then, then now they're on Twitter. Like, this jackass with no, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's not dirty. He just likes to sneeze. But that, but that's always the worry, man, is like, I'm going to be on Facebook you know, and because especially a lot of the events that we do, um, people constantly take pictures and, and everybody posts it to social media. And then I'm always that idiot that's like holding a tegu and it looks all jacked up. And it's like, well, yeah, because this tegu, you know, and I'm I'm telling her story to the birthday party. Right. But the picture that's on Instagram is me holding a jacked up tegu. Yep. And they're like, well, this jackass, like, what is, you know. Have you ever, have you ever had someone say, hey, man, that, that, that's my tegu. My, my mom got mad at me in college and gave it away. So. Give him back. um, Yeah, that happened to us uh, several years ago with a very large albino Burmese python. And it was, it was a not a good situation uh there's an elderly man uh like a maybe one or two highway exits south of us um he he was a an uh, elderly veteran and i am as well and so people knew both of us through that avenue and we're like hey uh i know you do exotic animal stuff this dude the vfw and so forth uh can you help him out i'm like yeah man whatever we go over there and his house is destroyed. He says there's a python loose upstairs. Uh, it ended up being a ball in a 20 long. So no big deal. I, I got it. And in the and he can't really get around. Um, and in the living room is, uh, how, what did he say? He said something crazy, like 14 feet. And it, it was not. But, um, oh, it'll kill you. You know, all the old stereo things. And it was an eight-foot albino berm. Uh, ratchet strapped instead of a 55 gallon aquarium really and uh his kids uh one of his kids and their significant other trashed this dude's house while they were living with him and left and and left those in there and you know they're in terrible condition you know just all of the stereotypical rescue reptile things so we get it, and it's hungry. So I feed this thing, fatten it up, and it's just a derpy albino berm, right? 
um, I have that albino worm. It's like almost 13 feet long now. It's kind of fat and eats rabbits. Like it's they're dude, they're they're not that smart. Like they, they're just they're albino berms. There's a reason everybody uses a big yellow snake. But anyway, we are at an another town, not not his town and not my town, some other town. We're at their fourth of July public, what have you. I'm sitting there. Uh, and I sit on the ground with big snakes and then set them on me. And then I'll hold the head and you can look at the tail and we'll just sit on the ground together. That's how I hang out with little kids because I'm a bigger dude and I don't want to scare them. And so I'm just sitting there, like literally in the middle of this town, this 4th of July thing on the ground with a this big old snake on me. And this crazy looking lady comes walking up and is like, baby. And I thought she was talking to me. And I was like, nope, not this guy. Like, A, I'm married, and B, not you, and not here, right? And just, just crazy. Nope, she was talking about that snake. And it, and I was like, I don't think so, man. Like, it was, it was a rescue situation. We're not really sure about his info, you know, da, da, da. And, and then I saw, like, other connected people to that situation and then somebody walked off to the side and they're talking to Teresa and they're like yo hey yeah that's those that's the people and I was like that's cool let's put the berm away and get out an iguana instead and just like lock that thing in the van with the air conditioning on and then yeah yeah 100% like they're that's that's very rare most people you know that unfortunately in the rescue side of it, it, it really is kind of the throwaway pet thing. Folks, folks usually uh, yeah. drop it and forget it. Um, we've actually had and, some really positive things of that, of like elderly people that had oh, stuff cool. for a super long time. And then literally couldn't care for it because they were elderly. Uh, and then they have come like to the, like, I have some geckos and stuff. And, like they've come to the shop and are like, I, I recognize those spots. That's my leopard gecko. We have ten, so I'm like, yeah, for sure it is. It definitely is, you know, like, yeah, I don't know, yeah. <laughs> oh man, that's crazy. Ugh, at least it panned out for the better, you know. Could have been worse, for sure. Well, and like, I have a monster beauty snake uh, that came to us from that route. It was the woman; she had had it. Oh man, I've had it for almost three years and she had it for like 15 or 16 before it got to me. And she was in her seventies wow. and um, came to the rest. It was the coolest thing ever, man. She had a, a an adult and I, I had that as well. And that eventually passed, but she had an adult black tail Krebo and an adult beauty. And those were her two snakes. And she was literally a tiny seven in her seventies. Grandma came and like, decked out enclosures like monster colubrids showed she had like a snake hook showed like she knew she knew everything oh yeah this that you know this is where it's from this is what i got i got it this all these things and it's this old and da da da. but you know i kind of can't get around x y and z and i was like i don't care that's awesome that snake is bigger than you are you tiny old lady like yeah, it, there are some the, some positives 
she was the swimsuit model, you know, in Myrtle Beach circa 1952 with the indigo around her neck, you know? <laughs> so I have one for that too. You say that. Nice. Um, nice. One of my really good friends where I work, uh, he is from Northwest Indiana and he, and I'm not being derogatory. Uh, he is from a circus family, uh, an actual one. And Connie's. <laughs> and circus uh, folk nomads you know <laughs> men like cabbage small hands that yeah like legit um and his oh, um one part of his family are gypsy and so like legit circus folk and uh the when you walk into my shop there are two framed pictures right inside the door uh and they are his mother and his grandmother in the whole tasseled regalia uh, dancing with snakes and there are black and white pictures. And he's, he's a coworker of mine, but he's like my dad's age. So significantly older. And uh, so obviously his mother and grandmother are as well. And they are black and white pictures from the carnival days. Uh, that is in the entrance of our facility. That's uh, awesome. Our legit snake dancing carnies. I love it. That's awesome. Super cool. And yeah, Dom's in the chat. Another uh, rescue worker. She has, she has some unique stories as well. Yeah, I don't have any interest in doing that kind of stuff, man. It's pretty rough, dude. It well, sucks. I got... Nothing but beardies and balls. I thought that I wanted to. And... Because in my mind, it wasn't – I got like a flipper's mentality, but I wasn't going to sell them. I was just going to rehome them to friends that kept herps, you know? Sure. And so right after Fish and Wildlife of Florida started doing the Reptiles of Concern license when big snakes were just becoming taboo, um, mm. I signed up for an adoption program. And the way that they formulated it was you had to already have the license. And then people that – wanted to essentially amnesty their animal they didn't have to go to you know the miami zoo on amnesty day and surrender it they right. could make contact with someone like myself we'd make arrangements i would take the animal from them and then do whatever i got to do with it mm -hmm. and i had signed up and it was about six months and i never got a phone call or an email or nothing and then this woman shows up at my i was living with my parents at the time this woman shows up at my parents house with a, like eight foot green anaconda. She's like, this is my son's. He went to the army and I don't want it anymore and just dumped it on me. And I was like, what? This is not what I signed up for. How did you find where I live? Yep. So like, well, I went to the fish and wildlife and all of your information was there. And I was yep. like, fuck that. And I <laughs> took myself, I took myself off that thing, off that list, that roster. And yeah, they had everything. That changed yeah. my mind. So that, yeah. The rescue that we participated in was also it was run out of someone's home, and um, and that, I mean that's a huge part of it is that, and, and it really depends on you know your your state and, and things like that of how heavily involved in it they are. Uh, we're really lucky that you know the state herpetologist for Illinois is very hands on. He's very involved. He's actually, a herper, like he he breeds tricolor hognose. Like he's actually cool. That's awesome. Um, not the regulatory person that you would think. And 
so he he was very good about hey this is somebody's house like don't be doing you know he put the info out um yeah. but there were a lot of instances uh you know like the amnesty thing that you're talking about uh in illinois because we have pretty strict rules um like w- they would get weird stuff and like so box turtles are some box turtles are endangered in our state and they put a higher priority on things that are endangered as opposed to things that could be potentially dangerous. And so our rescue president at one time had an ornate box turtle and a four foot alligator that came through amnesty and the conservation police came to her house and took the box turtle first. And the gator was there for almost a week. And because the wow. the legal priority is endangered species because they're native to here, that an- the other animal was an amnesty animal due to our policies, but it, it had nothing to do with the wildlife of Illinois. It was it was a, a dangerous type of thing, and so the what was important to them is not necessarily what was important to us, right? And, and right. you are kind of forced to work in that framework you know yeah jeez wow but no it man it it sounds daunting and i don't know it's just it's it's a lot easier than you think it is given your understanding of the ordinances you know and rules for where you live um the only thing i tell people is that it's very expensive and it oh yeah that is a, that is an, um, it's kind of an uncomfortable conversation to have with people sometimes. Like, sure. Cause I don't like, there's not like, it always sounds bad when you say like, whatever. I make a lot of money at my job. And so I have that facility. And if it doesn't make me any money, I don't actually care. Like I can afford right. to do that. Sure. Sure. But like our shows, I, I want those to make money, but I, I do that because I want to educate people about reptiles and because I am able, and it's more like. You were I, born I, to do this. And if the money that you make off of doing it helps keep the collection going and helps educate people, that's the sole goal. Yeah, like I, it, it to me is more like service industry. Like I, it's sure it's provide. Like I want to teach people this stuff, yeah. and I am happy that the show I can do the shows and then I don't have to spend my own money to teach people stuff. Like that's nice, but when it comes to the facility, it if I didn't make if 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 I just blocked out the front of that and didn't let in there i monetarily i could afford to do that sure it would kind of suck because of course but yeah i don't want to just give up money <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's that it's that famous adage of if you're going to be a rescue and you're going to take animals in to to rescue them you need to be prepared to keep that animal alive for the remainder of its life in a good healthy right. ethical life you know, and that's like we always talk about Steve Sa- Steve's snakeuary and how yes. if he can rehome something, he will. But he will start off. As- he assumes that he's not going to. 
Right. And that way, if the animal is in his care, it's got to be taken care of for the rest of its life. Well, and that when our facility, so being involved in the rescue side of it really altered that, like that part of our facility, because, because the part that we provided was we would do shows and stuff to help like fundraise and, and different things We'd outreach for them and, and that kind of stuff, which is super cool. It's, it's a blast. And then on the rescue side, um, we would use some animals like as ambassador animals of, you know, Hey, this is what MBD is, why these things are important and, and actually teach lessons around that. But a big part of what we did, especially when it came to licensing and the state and things was the amnesty of very large and sometimes dangerous animals. And so for us, like, I don't know. It, it's cool. Like if, if, if Dwight, I live in a town called Dwight, they do walking field trips. If, if every third grade, since I have lived here, every single third grade class that has gone through that elementary school has come to my place. And I think that's amazing. Yeah. That's but, pretty cool. That's cool. That's pretty yeah. Cool. Yeah. It's, we're going on like 12 years. Um, but if we never do that again, I have two sulcata tortoises that need a place to live. I have two American alligators. I have a caiman. I have very large monitor lizards. I, I have a rhinoceros iguana, a green, like I have very large, very long lived animals that I am obligated to provide for, for a very long time. And so if they called tomorrow and we're like, yo, we're, we don't want to do field trips for you anymore. Dude, I'll black out the front windows. I don't care. I'll just hang out with giant lizards. Like that's my place. That's cool. Um, so it, it kind of has to be the balance. Like it, it sucks when it feels like work sometimes, but you can't have a collection the size of our collection and not have it feel a little bit like work. We just have so many like, and it, I am okay. with Like, uh, I got to change waters. Like true. Cause about halfway through it, I'm always like, you know how freaking amazing it is that I have this many, like, yeah, it, yeah, it, it puts it. I, I never get so like, uh, changing out super worms. Like I never get so down on it that I'm just like this stupid job. It always starts out like, and I'm tired and I, I didn't change up to gecko food or whatever. I need to go do that. And then I get there and I'm like, I walk in the basement to go change out the crested gecko food and I walk by 850 gallon troughs with like 14 turtle species and an alligator snapper that's the size of a garbage can. And there's a gator in the corner. You yeah. know, I, I just got, you know, there, there's a 300 gallon trough with 900 pounds of dirt in it and a gopher tort like just ridiculous crap that people aren't supposed to have in their basement. And I'm yeah. like, no, nah, it's cool. I'll change up gecko food, whatever. <laughs> like, you know, it, well, I, I go through something similar where it's like, I just, I get in a funk, you know, I'm tired from work. I'm, I'm mentally drained. And I, I know that I've got some poo ahead of me and I'm like, oh, I gotta go do it. I gotta go do it. And I muster up the energy and I go. And the minute I start getting in like into it, and it reminds you, like, this is what we do. This is our life. This is our love. This is our passion. 
you know, and it makes any any kind of like uh, annoyance I had is gone because mm-hmm. I rem- I remind myself like, look what I have in my hands, you know, this is amazing. So I, I totally understand where you're coming from. I do. But you are right in the for a hobbyist to have a separate place or like it it, it can yeah. add that stress of feeling like work. And it yeah. I, I'm in that weird place where I'm I'm not a full time reptile person. And so it still feels hobbyist to me. But the reality is with a facility like we have in a collection like ours, like we're hobbyists that we we yeah. we're and I, I, I make fun of Teresa all the time about it because the, the, the permitting and things are, are hers. And I tell her, I'm like, you're not a hobbyist. Like you're a licensed insured professional. Yeah. Literally. And she's like, well, you know, I'm like, nah, man, like you, you have a crocodilian permit an endangered species permit, a uh, special use animal permit in the state of Illinois. Like you, you, you are a zoological professional licensed and accredited. Yeah. Yeah. Literally. I yeah. I guess so. I'm like, you sound bummed out. Like, that's super cool. Yeah, right? Right. It's good. It's awesome. It's why we do it, man. It's why we do it. So, Smitty, is there anything else you want to touch base on, Bubba? Uh, I don't think so. Yeah, I just rambled. Did you guys have, like, specific questions? I know somebody earlier was asking about challenges and stuff in the chat. I kind of glossed over. I'm sorry. No, I think that it, we covered more than I was expecting. And in my mind, we covered pretty much everything that I wanted to touch base on. So this is great. Um, I love how we pulled into the, some of the rescue stuff, too. I think that's awesome. And, you know, the, the public aspect is a very unique hurdle. But I feel like for the right people, it's a hurdle that's completely worth jumping over. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, hundred percent. So yeah, yeah. Like the, and it does. And actually, I I had um, messaged you guys about that a little bit. Uh, that there at one time was discussion of trying to create some kind of framework uh, for educators to use, um, and then maybe approaching a not really a governing body, but a body like USARC that we all. Sure. look to and, and try Committee. to figure something out like that. Um, and I, I, I need to work more on that, but that, that is a big part of it is. And it, I don't know, like that sounds snobby, but like it, it needs to be the right people. Like the, I feel like we all kind of make fun of the same YouTube people, right? Like that's sure. a big thing. Like, ah, uh, we make fun of ball Python people and then we make fun of YouTube people. And like, we, some of the social media type people, the the reason that there's so, sort of that visceral reaction to kind of make fun of them or we don't like the content they put out is because we feel like, you know, the public is going to look at free handling or the public is going to look at a dangerous or, or irresponsible situation and then judge us or make laws and, and do yeah. all these things. And it, they do. It's fact. They 100%. They, and that's an absolutely valid concern. My thing is doing what I do is not necessarily more, but I feel like equally important. 
like we had a, an educator in this area uh, that had a girl get bit at a show and it and a lot of us use the same style and and groupings of insurance and it jeopardized everyone because of that because it it's it actually is incredibly rare it i, I will say that like i i am insured by these folks so i i'm privy to their statistics and and how they they charge me is based on whether or not these bad things happen and the bad things happening are actually very rare which is fantastic but that means that when they do and it was because this person did something that they shouldn't have done those institutions like insurance and like regulatory bodies tend to overreact because it it's kind of like you're out of sight out of mind thing like you said and like they're insuring me they know that there's risk and liability but nothing bad has ever happened and so bill teresa are fantastic so the if there is a day where the bad thing happens is it just going to be like a regular fender bender or are you going to charge me like a total of my car because it's such a rarity you know right. and it it turned out that when that particular instance happened um i mean there there was real consideration for like hey maybe we don't want to insure this kind of thing anymore and they might actually have I, to pay out and and like if if that lady called me and said, Hey, we can't insure you anymore, I'm done. Like I the way that our state is set up, I cannot function without that. And that that had nothing to do with me. I don't even like that guy. Like I knew he was a screw up <laughs> before this happened. You know, like it, it's the exact same thing as you know, we talk about YouTube and we talk about social media and things, and, and all of us kind of have when I said that, everybody in the chat you all had pictures in your brain and it's probably the same handful of people for various reasons and are doing shows and things that we do is the same way when somebody's like, Oh, Hey, this bad thing happened. And now my insurance ladies call me and it's like, Oh man, it was like these two or three people I'm telling you. And then my insurance lady calls me and it definitely was, you know, and it, yeah, it, it can, if you are a social media person and you do something dangerous or irresponsible or what have you are at least kind of how we talk, especially with you guys being way more into the hot things than I am. A lot of times it's concerned for that person's well-being. Like that person is going to make a mistake and injure themselves. It, it usually isn't, a concern with another person from a lot of the things that I see it's that they do risky behaviors that endanger them. Yeah. Whereas but it, it, I, I don't, I don't care about them at yeah, all. Yeah. And that's, and that's that. Yeah. That's the, that's a, I, I see care about the, the news and right. the bad exactly. light right. things. Like if they're going to do what I'm something saying stupid, is, that's a hundred percent on them. I do not care if they get bit. That is their right. fault. They deserve if, it. No, no. If someone wants to light themselves on fire in their automobile, I shouldn't have my car taken away. Right. But that's always been our concern or, or how it's framed, right? Is that the people who are in that vein of social media are like, oh, well, it's my, it's my health. It's my safety. And it's, you know, you shouldn't tell me. And then all of us are like, no, nah, man, I'm fine with you doing stupid things. Just don't do a stupid thing in public. So I get in trouble for it. Right. 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 But 
if if they get hurt, like if they get hurt free handling, they get envenomated. And now you guys are going through all sorts of things, especially in a state like Florida. And there's tons of stuff going on, right? You at least have, and this kind of sounds terrible, but you at least have the argument of, man, that's a responsible adult that did something they shouldn't have done that ain't on me. They hurt themselves in their own deal. You're right. I don't have that because a person who does what I do hurt a member of the public. And so it's a different framework of like, sure. Now, like I am responsible. Like I go, we go to shows with thousands of people. Anybody there gets like, we have, we did a school maybe a month ago and had a little girl and there were some special needs kids in the class. And we do tons of special needs shows because of um, tactile things with reptiles. And there was a little girl there. And she went to the teacher and she said that something stung her and she thought and was one of the reptiles. And the teacher was like, no, that, you know, they, they were smooth. And we had a lesson on smooth things and, and it's, it stung me. And, and da, da, da. the teacher came to me and was like, Hey, can you explain to her again that we, we touched the Python and it was very velvety and smooth and it didn't sting her and, and what have you. I'm like, yeah, for sure explain the whole thing and the girl's like oh okay cool she was fine nothing had happened she just didn't understand given her disability mm-hmm. and and she had made this thing she just yeah. verbalized that it had stung her and the teacher's like okay cool thanks da, da, da. and so we're packing up to go and and that was kind of like the last thing that we did was explain to her and so the teacher comes over hey i really appreciate you doing that I'm like, yeah, man, we do a lot of special needs stuff. Like it's cool. You know, it's fine. No, no, you don't understand. If that girl would have gone home and said that something here stung her. Now I'm going to have like their, her parents are going to show up yeah, and I'm going to have to prove that something didn't sting her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, I don't have to prove like you, you can't just look yeah. at her hand and be like, there's Train no wreck avoided. Like you need to now prove that what this kid said happened didn't happen. And in my show, we do a presentation of an emperor scorpion underneath of a black light. Now it's Illinois and that's a, that animal has venom. And so it never leaves the enclosure. It's covered and sealed and so on and so forth. And you can't ever touch it, but I would have had a little girl who is special needs uh, at risk population she would have gone home. She would have told her mom and dad, I got stung, so on and so forth. Oh, what's what's what happened at school today? Well, that school, they're like kind of boutique, sort of. They have a really sure. active Facebook and Instagram. So you could have gone right on there and seen mm-hmm. my stupid face with a glow-in-the-dark scorpion and your at-risk daughter who just said she got stung. And now I'm that moron on the seven o'clock news and it's totally yeah. different than bill bradley with the home today and got stung by an emperor scorpion because he's a moron and has a bruise in his arm now well no i try to kill a seven-year-old special needs girl it's a totally different news story right like exactly it, it really changes the lens when yes. you're not some idiot holding a rattlesnake you got tagged hey man suck it up you're stupid you know 
that's not the same as I threw a scorpion at a kid, you know, like, but I will say this, it falls back on Steve Ranella's cute and cuddly theory of this scorpion with a child where the kid didn't even touch it is far less likely to cause a legislation change than someone on YouTube with a bazillion followers yes, doing horrible things matters for outside sure. for sure in, in outside in nature where things could get loose or whatever. So absolutely. And that, that has been a part of it as well is we, um, and I, and I know this doesn't have any to do with the facility. Sorry. Um, we have done shows at, uh, like really big stuff like comic conventions. This is like the, the C2E2 here in Chicago. It's, it's something like 25,000 people a day or just some insanity. And it's on TV and it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a big thing. And some of the, the zoo uh, charity and outreach things that we do, like that I was on the front page of some newspaper that I don't even know. And there was a 17 foot retic in my lap. And the, it was my luck that that lady chose to talk to me because the, the curator of that zoo, when they were taking their pictures and stuff, he stopped her and was like, Hey, you should, you should, uh, you should talk to Bill and Teresa about what they're doing there. Because prior to that, I, I have no, I, I have, she ended up being a nice lady. I don't think she was going to write something ridiculous, but I have no idea. It could have, there, there was just a picture on the front page of the newspaper and it's some goober with a gigantic snake. Like I don't have any yeah. control over what that person is going to say I was doing. We were on the front page of our newspaper in this town, Teresa and me with uh, blue tegu and the Argus monitor. And the dude wrote that we had a Komodo dragon. IDNR called me and was like, yo, <laughs> like, do you hey. know that you are in the paper as having a Komodo? Like what is going on? And I was like, no man you've been here like that's not something i could hide for one thing yeah and yeah. you you saw my argus butter like that he obviously just wrote the wrong thing and they're like yo you need to get that fixed like they need to write a retraction and you need to get it fixed like you publicized in the state of illinois in a publication in a newspaper that you have something you can't have you're kidding and i was like i didn't publicize anything like that dude took my picture and yeah. wrote something wrong. i didn't write that and they're like it really needs to get fixed because you know people are because people at like people call them and ask ever do you guys remember chance the snapper the, the whole thing with the gator that's in the pond and it going down to florida anyway uh, yeah i think i remember that so that it, it made like national news some idiot released a gator up here and it, that's what happened and blah, blah, blah. IDNR got a FOIA request. They want to know everybody in Illinois has got a crocodilian permit where they live. Because is did it live Someone next to that? Someone has an answer for it. Is it me living next right. to that pond? And now where's my gator? Right. And IDNR was already doing like they, you know, they, they called and they verified they did the right thing. But it, it was that was just a member of the public. They were like, yo, here I filled out a FOIA request. I want to know where everybody in the state of Illinois is that has a crocodilian permit. 
and he had to tell him. He was like, "Hey, man, I, it's not. I know it's not your house, but I, I had to tell people that you know your facility has a crocodilian, just so you know." And because it was in the news, and that, well, how, how many people have this crazy thing? We're, we're all the rest of these lunatics with the alligator. Like, what's going on? Yeah, yeah. And, and I wasn't even in this country when that happened. <laughs> like, I was one of the people they were calling to ask if I could come help try to get the stupid thing out. And I was like, I'm I'm not in the United States, so thank God. Please don't call me again for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Crazy times we live in, boys. Crazy times. Indeed. Well, closing remarks, gentlemen. Uh, back a little bit in the chat. Somebody said they enjoyed the Xenogama episode, so thank you for that. Yeah, uh, right on. It was really awesome. I like talking to Philip. He's a super good dude. So. Yeah, man, Marcus got some stuff from him and tip-top specimens. Awesome stuff. So. All right. Well, this episode was brought to you by blackboxcages.com. Check them out. Cages, racks of all shapes and sizes. Give them a follow on Facebook and Instagram. And then the fine folks at Puget Sound Pythons, please give them a follow as well. Uh, looks like they said Reptile News Radio is on hiatus at the moment. Let me go back. Uh, they're taking a break from Reptile News Radio, trying to find a way to balance life reptiles on the podcast. I feel you there. It's a lot to juggle. For sure. So, um, We'll be back. I think so. THP isn't happening Thursday, but we are going to do it sometime this week. I, I don't know. I don't think it's going to be Wednesday. It might be Friday. So it is going to happen. It's just not going to happen Thursday night because Jake has some other thing going on. So, um, yeah, I think it's going to be a one-on-one. We've got some other stuff sort of in the works, lining some people up that are going to be really, really good, and I'm pretty excited about. So, awesome. Uh, we will catch everybody later. Yeah. Happy uh, Passover to everyone. Happy Easter to everyone. Remember, just because they're cute and cuddly, yellow baby Burmese pythons do not make good Easter presents. FYI. Oh, no. No, no. Yes. Stick to the bunnies. I don't know if those are really any better. That was a joke. It's for you to feed to your Burmese python. I was going to say, if, if you run out of space for the bunnies, I can help you out there. Nice. He's nice. accepting donations. Yes. <laughs> All right, guys. Good night. Good night.